everybody. Good to see you this morning. How are we doing? Awesome. My name is John McLarnon. I'm one of the pastors around here. Spend most of my time down at our Cary location, and uh, just glad you guys are here today. So excited about this. Um, if you're watching online, thanks for jumping in today as well. Let me just start this way this morning. When I graduated from high school, right before I went to college, I took my first ever mission trip to Chile, South America, and I went there for 30 days. And I ended up spending the majority of my time there with a guy by the name of Juan Carlos. He was my host. And uh, we quickly struck up a really great friendship together. And I didn't speak very much Spanish at all. He hardly spoke any English at all. So most of our communication was sitting around the table at breakfast and dinner, passing the dictionary back and forth to one another. And one of the things that we learned about each other was that we both played the drums. Now, he, he was a really good drummer. He actually gave me a CD. I still have it in my collection of a band that he was a part of. And he was the number one, like the primary drummer at their particular church. Now, I, on the other hand, had taken a few lessons during middle school, all right? But in addition to sharing the same name, he thought this was a really great bond that we had together. Now, in the middle of one of the weeks when I was there, the church held a really big revival service. And there were three to 400 people at this thing, which is a really big crowd in this particular area. And uh, he's, he's on the drums that night, and he's just pounding away, like he sounds great, he's really energetic, he's into it, he's keeping everybody in line through the drums. And then at the end, much like we do here, at the end of the music section, the band gets up and they leave, and the pastor comes out and he delivers this very compelling message, and at the end of it, he's inviting people to come down front, all right, altar call. Come down here if you want to pray with somebody. Come down here if you want to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Just come down here and someone will be here to receive you. And so the band comes back out and they're playing. And um, all right, so this is South America, all right, Latin church. And so they're going to play however long they need to play. So he starts into the first song and he quickly realizes that there are too many people down front for the pastor to handle alone. And he's a key leader in the church. He gets up from the drums to come down and assist. And he walks over to me carrying the sticks. <laughs> and he holds them out to me. He takes me by the shoulder and he walks me over to the drum set and he sets me down right there. He wants me to finish playing out however long it's going to take the remainder of the songs in his place. Let's just review this real quickly, all right? I, I've never been part of a band, all right? I've never played live in front of a group of people. We have three to 400 people out here in the audience. I don't know these songs. Listen, I'm not really a drummer, actually, to be honest with you. I took a few lessons at one point, and the whole time I'm back here playing, I'm just praying to God, right? I'm praying two very specific things. I'm praying, God, I, would it not be my drumming that keeps somebody from coming back to the church? <laughs> Number one. And number two, God, just help them think that I'm playing the song in English, all right? Can we just, maybe that would be acceptable, all right? And so, I mean, can you imagine, just imagine for a second, all right, that it's one minute before we start this service, our drummer gets sick and somebody walks over to you and they hold out the sticks and they say, man, we need you. Now, a lot of us would go, 
yeah, I could probably do it. It doesn't really look that hard, does it? I mean, you maybe have even pictured yourself doing this before, huh? Some of you have done that before. You're like, yeah, I could probably do that. But, and, and maybe you go, wow, I, I can see myself backstage mingling with the band, you know? Like, look at all these people. They're counting on me. You feel the sense of urgency. But at some point, right, even the most naive and brave among us would reach a certain point where we say, you know, I really can't do that. No matter how much I want to, no matter how hard I try, it's not going to go well, is it? But here's the deal, and you know this to be true from other areas of your life as well, that with a little bit of practice, right, with the, light, with the right kind of training over time, you might actually be able to do what it is that you would like to do. And here's what I want you to think about today because there's a real spiritual connection with what we're talking about as well. That what's true of playing an instrument or learning a language or getting in shape is really true spiritually as well. Think about this for a second, right? Have you ever tried really, really hard to live your life the way Jesus taught and modeled it? For instance, you show up here on a Sunday like this, you sit out there and you hear one of the pastors give a teaching on um, patience, right? Or how you need to manage your anger. And you commit before you leave here, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to work really, really hard to be a more patient person starting tomorrow morning, right? And, and Monday morning, you wake up and you go, man, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I have a two-year-old, right? And then you get to work and something happens, right? And now you're scrambling to fix things. And by lunch, you go, man, I'm, I am so tired of trying to be a patient person. I just don't know if this is going to work for me or not. Or think about it this way, right? Have you ever had a friend and you think, man, he, he is so kind, or she is just so loving, or, or they're, they're just so wise, and you try to figure out how they got the way that they are, and you go, I'm going to do that so that I can be what they are. And then you try really, really hard to do that. Well, maybe this cycle will actually look familiar to you, right? Because it's true um, about exercising, and it's true about trying to follow Jesus. Check out this um, pattern on the screen here, that we try really, really hard in some particular area of our life, and it works for a while, doesn't it? But it's really difficult to manufacture so much self-power for a period of time, and so you kind of reach this point where there's just exhaustion. Then you start to think, you know, I, I really can't do this after all, right? And then we quit. After a while, we feel guilty because we think to ourselves, you know, I should be able to do that, shouldn't I? And then we just set back out to do it all over again. That's how we get to January every year, and we go, you know what? I should have reached those goals last year, so what I need to do this year is try harder, and I want to propose there's a much better way, and it's true for any aspect of your life in which you want to get better, especially when it comes to living this life that Jesus taught and modeled. And we've been looking at this sentence the last couple of weeks of our series, which says that life does not get better by chance, it gets better by change. And the change I want to propose to you this morning is this, is that it's not about trying harder, it's actually about training, all right, training. So there are some Bibles coming down the aisle right now. Grab one if you want it, or if you have one, you can follow along. I want to read a really short passage from the book of 1 Timothy. You can also follow on uh, the notes on the side screen, 1 Timothy and I'm going to hit a lot of different things this morning, and so you might want to take a few notes so you can kind of go back and, and be reminded of things that might resonate with you. 
I'm going to dump a ton of information on you, all right? And so you might have to dig back out of it later. But um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, it's back towards the right of your Bible, written by Paul. He's a follower of Jesus. And Paul mentored a young man by the name of Timothy. So I'm jumping right in. This is 1 Timothy 4, 7. He says, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So look, Paul's saying, look, there's some value here, right, of taking care of yourself physically. If you can look good, if you can feel good, if you can add a year to your life, then go for it. That, that's a really good thing. And then he says, in the same way you would train for a race or you want to get into a routine of uh, weightlifting, train yourself spiritually, because that helps you today, and it's going to help you tomorrow and down the road and whatever comes next in your relationship with God. Now, Paul also writes something somewhat similar to his friends at a church in the city of Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians 9. He writes these words. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. In other words, there's going to be a box of trophies down in the basement someday, but we do it for an eternal prize. So he's writing to a group of people in Corinth who are probably familiar with the games, right? The Olympic games, perhaps. And he's saying, look, you guys, we all know this. Nobody's just going to show up and roll out of bed one day and say, hey, I think it's a good day to do something at the Olympics. He says, nobody would actually do that. Nobody just goes out and tries really hard. As a matter of fact, you could actually be disqualified from the games if you couldn't prove that you had actually been training for 10 months and Paul's saying, look, I just want to urge you guys, in the same way, spiritually, enter a life of training. So what we're talking about are spiritual practices, or maybe you've heard this word before, spiritual disciplines. I want to give you a definition of what I'm talking about today so we're all on the same page. Here's what a spiritual discipline is, and I kind of made this up somewhat. But it's arranging our lives around practices and experiences. Would you just say those two words with me? practices and experiences, arranging your life around practices and experiences that enable us to live life the way Jesus taught and modeled. And I'm just going to dump out several of them. I want to give you three what I think are probably core practices when it comes to training to live this life. And then I want to share a fourth item with you that I think serves as a supplement that takes into account your personality and your uniqueness, all right? So here we go. First training piece we need is scripture. We're talking about the Bible, the primary way by which we come to know God, we come to know ourselves, and we learn the best possible way to live. Paul, who continues writing to his young friend Timothy, this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, says this, all scripture is inspired by God. Now just pause for a second and think about that. The Bible that you hold in your hands, the tablet that you're reading off of, some of you are looking at your watch, and you've got the Bible on there. It, you have in your hands the very words of God. That's powerful. And look how he designed it to work, he says. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So Paul's saying, look, all, all the truth principles you need to build a right life they're in the scriptures. Whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, it's in there. Whatever decision that you might be facing, there's something about it in there. And Paul's saying, look, just take the truth of what God has written about and lay it alongside your life 
and you'll be able to see where you're doing well and where you might need to make some changes. And so the scriptures serve as sort of a, a roadmap for how to live your life. And God, it says, uses them, his words, to train us. Why? Don't, don't miss this. God uses the scriptures to train us so that you and I are able to do whatever it is we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it. I originally wrote this point down to actually say Bible reading, but not all of us really like to read that much, do we? And it can actually be difficult for some of us. Years ago, I was a youth pastor, and we had a student who suffered from dyslexia. And when I handed her the Bible on CD, she just thought that was the greatest thing ever. Now she could listen to God's Word. And so the important thing is getting into God's Word so you can allow God's word to actually get into you. Now, there's many ways to do this, all right? I just want to encourage you with some next steps. I want to encourage you to utilize a tool like YouVersion, all right? You can go online, YouVersion.com. You can download the app to your phone, and then you can just kind of take off. Here's how you would simply do it. Set up an account on YouVersion. And if you're just saying, hey, I just want to now start reading the Bible to begin with, you can sign up to get a text of the day. They'll send you a verse. You can pick your version of the Bible. We use the New Living Translation here. You can decide what time of day you want to get that Bible verse. Mine comes at 9 o'clock, shows up on my phone. There's a verse. I read it. You can start there, right? Or some of you are ready to read a specific plan. There's hundreds, maybe thousands of reading plans on version. Now, some of us would go, okay, well, that, that sounds interesting, but the Bible is really too hard to understand for me, or I'm not really sure if I even believe it. You might not hear this for a long time again. I just want to say that's okay. <laughs> I'm not asking you to understand it. I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm asking you to read it, all right? Now, some of us might say, you know, I don't really have time for Bible reading, and I want to just help you figure out, do the math here, all right? The average person can read the entire New Testament in 30 days. Did you know that? That if you were to read 30 minutes a day, that at the end of the month, you will have read the entire New Testament. You go, that's a lot of reading. The average person watches four hours of TV a day. So I've done the math for you, all right? Let me do it for you. You could read the entire New Testament in one month and still have time to watch 105 hours of TV. Are you excited about that? So there's no substitute, all right, for engaging with the scriptures because we're in training, all right, and, and it starts with the Bible. Why? So we can know what to do. All right, here's a second practice, prayer. Prayer at its most basic level, all right, is just communication with God. That's what we're talking about. Just as you would talk to a friend, right, and you're building that relationship, there's, there's talking to them, but then there's also listening to them. And it's the same with God. Now, Jesus' disciples, they, they saw him on a number of occasions praying. He's talking to God. He's hearing from God. He's drawing closer to his Father. I, I want to share one really brief instance with you. This is from Luke chapter 11. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. All right, so one of them finally said, all right, Jesus, I, I have a question, actually. Could you teach us how to do that? In other words, we, we need some training when it comes to how to pray. Why? Because we want to know God the way that you know God. Again, when, when you're praying, you're, you're talking to God, right? You're telling him about the things that you feel. You're asking him for the things that you want to happen in the world and in your life. You're making requests. 
You're talking to God about other people on behalf of other people. You're talking to God, right? But on the other side, you're also listening to God in the quiet, in the silence. Uh, you're hearing answers sometimes to your own questions. You're waiting for God's spirit to prompt you in a direction. So you're just communicating with God and getting to know him. Again, much like reading the scriptures, when it comes to prayer, there's a lot of ways you can do this. A Frenchman by the name of Nicholas Herman, who lived way back in the 1600s, was actually going through a midlife crisis of sorts, and his answer was to join a monastery. And Nicholas became the, um, the lead cook for 15 years before he moved into the sandal shop. And Nicholas developed a rule by which he could pray, and then just a very simple way to talk to God so he could stay in touch with him on a daily basis. And so after he died, they assembled some of his letters together into a book called The practice of the presence of God. In that book, we learn that when he worked in the kitchen, he would talk to God, and he would simply say something like this, God, let me do this work to the best of my ability and because of my love for you. And you might say, did those prayers actually change him? Well, absolutely, because it was said that in the 15 years that he actually worked in the kitchen, he never had need of anyone to act as a supervisor. And so at the end of his day, he would also pray again, and he would look back on what he had done, and if he had actually performed it really well, he would say a very simple prayer, God, thank you for the work. Thank you that you enabled me to do it. If he hadn't done very well, his prayer would actually be asking God for forgiveness. And those very simple prayers, right, were a training ground for him. I have a friend down at our um, Cary campus, and he drives a truck. He's in it most all day long. And uh, a lot of road time, a lot of time with the windshield, and a lot of alone time. And he just simply said to me recently, John, I, I use that time for conversation with God. I, I know people who pray before they get out of bed to start the day. That's the routine. And so if you need a reason to stay in bed, consider praying, all right? That's, I know others who write their prayers in a journal. That's how they do it. And so maybe if you're just getting started and saying, okay, prayer, I'd be willing to try it, maybe you would use what's called the Lord's Prayer as a model. Because right after what we just read there in Luke chapter 11, when Jesus teaches them to pray, that's called the Lord's Prayer. So you can read that in Luke 11. Or read some of the Psalms, right? Read prayers that are attributed to other people like David and other authors, just to kind of get you going. So there's many ways you can do it. The important thing is just that we actually do it, right? Start talking to God. Start listening to God. Because here's the deal, that the more that you actually practice and the more you train yourself to pray, the more you're going to grow closer to God in a very real personal relationship. So we're in training to live like Jesus, right? Practice the scriptures and prayer and this third one is such an easy thing to overlook, all right? It's rest. I'd probably get close to 100% buy-in on this one this morning, that we are busy, we're tired, we're overworked, we're burned out, and we're just exhausted, aren't we? And the danger from all that is that we actually suffer from what an author by the name of John Ortberg calls sunset fatigue, in which he describes as, by day's end, we're too tired, drained, and preoccupied to actually receive love from our Father or to give it to people around us. Rest, all right, rest, that's God's idea. You read it in the opening pages of the scripture. Way back in Genesis 2, it says this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested 
from all his work of creation. So we don't have time to actually dive into the intricacies of what we would call the Sabbath. The larger point I'd like you to see is that God, who I think we would all agree, has quite a bit of responsibility in the world. God actually built rest into the work week and established a pattern for how he wanted people to actually live. He worked for six days and he took a day of rest. And then he says, a very holy thing actually happens when you and I rest. Now, the writer in the book of Psalms in chapter 46, he actually picks up this idea as well, where he writes these words, where he says, be still. Some of us go, well, that doesn't sound very fun. He says, but be still and know that I am God. Be still means to cease striving, all right? Cease your striving. So he's saying, when you rest properly, look what happens. You actually get to know God. Isn't that pretty cool? I mean, for one, when you rest, you get replenished, don't you? When I was a freshman in college, I actually had a professor say, I think it was on the first day of class, he said, the most spiritual thing some of you can do is to get eight hours of sleep tonight. And maybe that's a starting point for you to go, man, I, I need a full night's sleep. Or maybe you need to take a nap, all right? And the question for many of us would be, well, what about the kids? Well, this is great if you're married, all right? Just look at your spouse right, na- right now and say, honey, you want me to be closer to Jesus, right? I am going to need a nap today. <laughs> or you just take an hour, right? Take an hour and just be and remind yourself that you are a human being, right? Not a human doing. Or take a day if you can, not to get caught up on chores, not to skip church activities or anything like that, but just to do absolutely nothing. And you get replenished, but don't miss what he's also saying. At the same time, you you get refocused on God because when you rest, right? When When I actually rest, we're training ourselves to see that God actually has things under control, doesn't he? And we need these constant reminders that God loves us out of his grace and not because of anything we might actually do. And you know this as well. You, you start to gain a little bit of freedom from the forces of our society and our schedule that are relentlessly trying to mold us. So when you hit pause, better yet, when you hit stop and we're still, we get to know God. We get to know God. Now, those are three, all right, and I I ran through them quickly and I dumped a lot of info on you, but three spiritual practices that I think all of us, right, all of us can benefit from to live this life that Jesus taught and modeled. Scripture, prayer, and rest. I would typically add community, like getting with other people, but it's so important. We actually built it into the series. We're going to give it an entire uh, week, so next Sunday for that. But I want to give you a final practice, all right? And I hope this this will be actually freeing for many of us today. Because I think some of us go, all right, I I get it. Those things are important. You actually made a decent case. I ought to do them. They just don't really excite me that much. (laughs) So I want to ask you a question, all right? Back in 1981, the movie Chariots of Fire won Best Picture. And um, it's the true story of two British athletes in the 1924 Olympics. One of them, Eric Little, wanted to run in the Olympics, but he also wanted to be a missionary. And he was always conflicted on how to unite those two dreams that he had. And so he shares these really, really great words that, that combine his love for God and his love for running. Listen to these. He says, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run... I feel his pleasure. 
Here's the question, all right, to think about is, what is it that you do that makes you feel fully alive? Right? What, what do you do that makes you feel fully alive? I want to call this fourth training piece personal pathway, all right? It's, it's about your personality, your interests, a way in which you relate to God. And it might be the way that you best experience these other three things we've already talked about. So an author by the name of Gary Thomas wrote a book called Spiritual Pathways in which he outlines nine different personal pathways that people connect with God. I'm going to send you to a link here in a second on where you can actually take the assessment to figure what yours is. But I want to give you a real quick um, speed version of what each of these are, all right? Are you ready for this? So naturalist, all right? It's a person who connects with God in nature. When you get outside, right, you go to the mountains, you walk around the lake, you're on the sand at the beach, that you're just overwhelmed with God, like your heart gets drawn towards God. It's your way to connect with him by just getting out there and experiencing the kinds of things that he's made. When I take the test, that's like my top one right there, naturalist, all right? I just, some of the greatest moments Faith-building moments of my life have happened when I get outside and I connect with God in nature. Sensei, all right? A sensei is a person who connects with God through visuals, all right? Sounds, smells, touch, those kinds of things. You just kind of come alive. When we put stuff up here, when we use props and things, you go, wow, that, that really connects with me, all right? You, you want us to burn some candles if that helps, all right? And then you have a traditionalist is a person who connects with God through the predictable, right? There's patterns, there's rituals, there's structure. You read someone else's prayer that they wrote 300 years ago, and you go, oh, man, that, I really connect with God that way. I, on the other hand, I read that, and I go, I should probably write my own, all right? So that's how we're a little bit different right there. Um, if you grew up Catholic, you know, a lot of us actually did that. You didn't really connect with that thing, and you get out here and you realize, hey, maybe there are some other expressions of, of styles of relating to God. You're like, wow, I am blown away. And you say, well, where's the cross, and can this be a church? All right, that's a traditionalist right there. Aesthetics, all right? Aesthetics connect with God through solitude, through simplicity. You could go into a hole and come out closer to God, all right? That's how you know if you're an aesthetic your dream home is like 50 acres so far away that you never have to see anybody. Nobody makes a sound. There's nothing, no music, nothing like that. You love these quiet moments in our service, all right? These are all great things. It just helps you better identify maybe how you connect, all right? Activists, you, you draw close to God through trying to bring about some kind of a change in our culture or our society. You like to organize things, you know, where you can see a visible change in culture, Sunday, for a lot of times, for an activist, is a time where you come in here, you recharge your batteries so you can get back out there and keep making a difference in the world. You, you, you are loving God at your very best, right, when you are essentially the hands and the feet of Jesus. All right, a couple more. Caregivers, draw near to God when you're helping people. This was a total shock to me, by the way, and so this is why you should actually take the assessment rather than saying, I know what I am. When I took the test, this one came out as my second strongest one, which is really, really surprising to me because I don't know if I actually even enjoy it that much. But, <laughs> but taking meals to sick, pe to sick people, all right, serving people in need. Like if Mother Teresa is our hero on this one, all right, 
And when you're finished by doing all this stuff, you're not tired, you're energized, right, when you're able to, to give of yourself. All right, enthusiasts, these are great. These are God's cheerleaders, all right? The clappers among us, the people who might let out an amen or something like that. When we sing action songs, they're the ones who are doing the actions, all right? And so uh, when, when, when you guys see a guy who's just standing in the room and he's staring at the screen, you think, wow, that, that guy is just not engaged at all. Well, he thinks you're a little strange, all right? And so that's... <laughs> That's the enthusiast right there, right? It's a lost day around here if your heart isn't moved in some way, all right? All right, contemplative. You draw near through personal worship, right? Journaling, um, sitting, waiting for God to reply. It's quiet. There's worship music. It's, but it's, it's still using your mind. And then the last one is intellectual, all right? That's like you love to discover new truths about God, to learn a new principle. You want to spend time studying. Um, you like reason. You like proof. You get around people who are enthusiastic, and you think, well, they're just emotional, all right? Because I want to draw near to God through my mind. Now, I spend time on all that just to say, I think it's helpful for you and I to see exactly how we're wired and how we connect with God so that we can better incorporate these other practices of Scripture, prayer, and rest. So you can go online and take the assessment. There's 45 statements, all right? 45 statements that you rate one to five on your personal interest. Now, um, some of the wording is a little dated because I think there's maybe two statements in there that mention something about music tapes, all right? And so I think you can figure out what that is. But you can go to this link, lifepointchurch.com, pathways. And again, here's what you're doing. You're taking this idea of what makes me come alive, and you're taking the practices of scripture and prayer and rest and you're arranging your life around these practices and these experiences that enable you and I to live this life that Jesus taught and modeled. So just imagine, right, as we wrap the whole thing up, imagine a week, a month, a year, three years from now down the road, being able to live life in a way that you want to live it, that today seems like that's not even a possibility for me you're actually going to be able to do, right, to respond, to act, to react, to handle, to live in a way that you deeply desire. Because if you want to be better, right, it doesn't matter what area of your life, but if you specifically want to get better at living the way Jesus taught and modeled, all it takes is a little bit of training. And anybody can do it. Anybody. So let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these truths that come from your word. And God, as we um, are bombarded with a lot of information today, God, help just one or two things to stand out to us that we might be able to add to our life that will, in the end, better help us to know you better. And we pray these things through Jesus. Amen.